welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I'm Johanna Nan, and you can call me, I'm the Game Master Extraordinaire Board Game Guru. It's me, it's me, Casualty CDG. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. And I am the professional media and movie mastermind, the fun house, Drew Munhausen, and welcome to episode 36 of Fresh, Fresh Out the, out the podcast. podcast. Fresh Out the Podcast. Last episode, we were all in on Fresh the Batman, the which means we didn't get to talk about any of the other cool things that we've been watching or bad things that we've been watching, frankly, because sometimes we watch things that aren't good. The fuck? I definitely have some things I watched that aren't good. So, uh, you know, it's our chance to kind of catch up. I watched some something. Catch up. I watched something that wasn't good also. Jahan, did you watch anything that wasn't good? Not really. I haven't been watching uh, as much stuff as usual. What a shame. What a shame. How do you feel about things that you watch that aren't good, but they're awesome? Okay, so I'm even going to tell you, I watched a real piece of dog crap, and I ended up watching like four and a half episodes of this piece of dog crap. And I didn't enjoy a single second of it. Um, so how do I feel about it, Drew? I feel like... <sighs> I didn't feel good. You know whenever you drink too much coffee and your stomach hurts and you're not sure if you're sick or if you have to poop and you're like, uh-oh, I might actually be sick to my stomach. And then about three minutes later, you feel better. That's kind of how I felt the whole time I was watching that show. I didn't like it. I felt queasy. I didn't enjoy it. I felt like I was just kind of a prisoner to bad entertainment. Uh, and I just longed for something better. Uh, the sweet release, Drew. Well, now you got to tell us what the show is. So this is on Netflix. Uh, the show is Guardians of Justice. And oh, yeah. You went out of your way to message me and Jahan about this. I think. So to... Guardians of Justice was so bad that I wanted one of you guys to watch it also so that you could understand how bad this is. Um, so it is... Um, Kind of like, you know how Invincible did the sort of DC type of thing without saying that anybody was actually DC characters. They just, like, were one step next to it. This show's the same way. Uh, there's definitely a Justice League. There's a Batman. There's a Superman and all that. Uh, Superman is on live TV and kills himself with, like, a Kryptonian, with, like, a, a Kryptonite bullet. But then they're not sure if it's a murder or a suicide. And so Diamond Dallas Page plays Batman and he is like an owl man Batman and he's got a really crappy like owl cowl costume uh, and he thinks that one of the other uh, Justice League as it were had something to do with the murder and the episode where I ended up having to oh, okay and, and like I said it was kind of like Invincible uh, and then they copied something that I saw from the Harley Quinn HBO show. They had like a young Robin who was like a little kid who cursed a whole lot. Uh, and so so they ripped that out. They ripped off Invincible. The production quality is bad. Like some of the costumes are just like they like on like you went to a Comic-Con type of quality. And that's not an insult to cosplayers because cosplayers have better costumes. Let's put it that way. 
Uh, there's just nothing. There's nothing in the show that's a winning mark. The the final thing that I could handle was whenever he went to talk, Batman went to talk to his version of Nightwing for help, and it was Johnny Mundo, uh, another professional wrestler, and it, the whole thing was like a conversation and an earcom. And Johnny Mundo made sure to do as much of his amateur parkour, professional parkour that he could. And so it's just like cheesy action shots, awful acting, bad scenes, bad costumes, writing that is just such gross ripoffs of all the other superhero things that I've watched. It's just this hodgepodge of all of this frantic superhero energy uh, picked out of very good things and shoved into this one piece of crap that's presented to you. There are really, really cool scene transitions because the whole show's not live action. Uh, there's there's a lot of like hand drawn art that uh, comes up comes and goes throughout the episodes, and that stuff is awesome. The art direction there is out of control. It, it's just a shame that it's buried in a Diamond Dallas Page led Batman show. I don't know if you guys can just no, imagine, I got you. Imagine Diamond Dallas Page. So Batman. what I'm reading is that uh, it is a uh, is based is a trippy reincarnation of Alan Moore's graphic novel Watchmen, uh, and is half animated. Is that what you're saying? You're saying there's live it's, action? It it does. It's mostly live action, uh, but it does have really cool animated transitions, and the animated stuff's really cool. Uh, it's got a bunch of different styles throughout it. And I actually enjoyed it, but not enough to tell you guys that this show is worth watching because it's not. The Andy, show is so bad. But it has Andy Milanakis. It does have Andy Milanakis. He plays like a YouTube influencer. That uh, he doesn't actually have any lines every now and then. It just like cuts to him on a screen and he's like, oh, can you believe that the, his Superman killed himself? And then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Is this and a so, Netflix original? Yeah. Yeah. It is. Let me let me read you the title. I think title I'm gonna again. watch one. <laughs> Guardians of Justice is the name. I'm gonna tell you guys again because even though I've seen this show, I've typed in the name Guardians of Justice. It just floats right out of my head. It's so forgettable. It's so bland. Um, this might be the worst superhero thing you watch this year. Um, if if I were to recommend it, it would be for that, so that you have a low bar, so that you know that everything else this year that came out was better than Guardians of Justice. Um, it, it's I I I want to finish it because I've watched every single superhero thing, yeah. but I just don't know if I want to sit there and feel queasy for another two hours. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I've been watching Young Justice. I've been rewatching it, and I've been loving every minute of it. So I don't know that I need to do this, but I might. You're making it sound way more intriguing than I think you mean to. So this is just one of those things where, like, has Netflix even been promoting it? Like, I wasn't aware that this even existed. Are they trying to bury it because they know it's not good? I I don't know. It just confuses me. So it, like, it just popped up last week. It was like, hey, on the download, it was like, hey, bro, look what came out today. We know you like superhero stuff. And I was like, well, Netflix, you're right. I do like superhero stuff. And, oh, no, no, Netflix, no. How, how dare you? (laughs) However much that costs, go put it into Cowboy Bebop Season 2. How Seriously. dare you? How dare you put that on my TV, Netflix? Uh, you told me you watched a piece of crap, Drew. Well, so so this is a yes, 
yes and no because it's not good but it's a different kind of not good so i i went out to the theater because i it was just one of those nights i just need to get out of the house i was like i'll go use my uh my regal unlimited to go see a movie for free and uh the timing worked out such that i decided to see moonfall are y'all aware of moonfall (laughs) yeah is this the the prequel to moon knight no, this is the newest Roland Emmerich disaster movie about the moon crashing into Earth. Gary's just got the most blank stare. Are you not, are you not aware of this movie, Gary? I just, okay, when you when you tell me, first of all, no, I'm not aware of this movie. Let me just <laughs> answer your question first, and then let me address Drew's, yes, Drew, because what you said reminds me of Volcano, which was maybe the first like natural disaster di- end of the world movie I ever saw as a kid. And then it reminds me of all of the ones that happened in between now and then that starred The Rock and how bad all of those are and how bad I don't want to see people on Earth trying to survive the moon crashing into it. I just done none of that. Boy, ouch, howdy, no, sir. So uh, for those... Those who don't know, you know, Roland Emmerich, famous for directing Independence Day. Um, he also did 2012, The Day After Tomorrow, you know, known for doing oh these kinds of big God. disaster movies. Those and are this... all terrible except Independence Day. Yeah. So this yeah. one stars <laughs> Halle Berry no. and Patrick Wilson. No. And John Bradley, who John Bradley played uh, Sam in Game of Thrones. Yeah. This and, is just what you're saying is so bad. And it is, uh, they they discover that the moon has slightly gone off its orbit and there's all these things happening and, and that it's going to slowly spiral closer to Earth. And uh, of course, I'm just going to spoil some of the stuff that happens in this movie because honestly, who cares? Make sure uh, to John Bradley's character warning in it. from Moonfall, John. You wouldn't <laughs> want to upset any of the Moonfall fans out there. John Bradley's uh, character in this movie, has, he... <laughs> I have to make sure I get this wording right. He studies these fictional, like, super megastructures, is what they're called. Yeah, I, I know what megastructures are. Yeah, and so he determines as part of his science that the moon is hollow (laughs) and that the moon is actually a megastructure that was likely created by aliens. Yeah. So as the moon is slowly circling towards Earth and messing with our gravitational field and making crazy things happen on Earth, you know, Uh, crazy flooding and uh just everything, uh, you know, of course, they have to go to the moon to figure (laughs) it out. And like, and, uh, you know, Patrick Wilson is this disgraced astronaut. (laughs) Halle Berry works for NASA and they get to the moon and they get inside the moon. It's this alien structure that was created and placed in our orbit. And oh, boy. This oh my movie God, that's is so much not, worse it's than I not thought it was going to be. Oh, is, boy. That, this movie is not good at all. It, it sounds... barely makes any sense. But boy, did I have a good time as the sole person in the theater watching <laughs> this movie, looking looking at the empty seats beside me when these crazy things happened, going, this is awesome, but so bad. It's so bad. It sounds you know, like it was made by an AI. 
I was thinking the same thing, Jahan, except it sounds like it was made with uh, one of those old, ah, uh, shit, what were they called? Ad libs. One of the Mad Libs books. It sounds like a Mad Libs story. Uh, I mean, it's, it's literally one of the things that they do in that Rick and Morty uh, movie trailer that just keeps getting more and more out of hand. And then the moon crashes into the earth. But things really no, get... the moon was empty the whole time because yeah. it's a mega structure. And oh, that man. means you can control the moon and drive it away from Earth. And like Michael Fucking Pena's in this movie because of course he is. Like this is totally the type of fare that he sometimes is in. Um, Yeah, man. I, I mean... This is one of those movies where I'm like, you almost just have to see it to believe that it even exists in that sense. But like, I, I kind of want could, to. I couldn't recommend it, but also like, I had a fun time watching it despite it being, you know, hands down not good. <laughs> all of his movies that you named are hands down not good. They all run like 2012 and the last day on earth, whatever the hell you said, they run together in my mind because it just seems like one big long movie. I know in one of them, there's like a big freezing tidal wave that freezes over Manhattan and they're trying to live out of like either the, the public library or maybe out of grand central station with Jake Gyllenhaal. And then the other one, like there's a giant flood on the planet and they survive in really big arcs. That one's about the Mayan apocalypse. Yeah. So I've seen all of them, and I didn't realize they were by the same director. I thought they were just garbage movies by different no-name garbage directors. And I'm even more upset that this guy's legacy is making trash like this. Uh, I'm really disappointed in him. Yeah, his filmography is pretty fascinating. Those are all terrible. Does he do anything that isn't terrible? Bruce <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> Independence Day is the big one. He also did Stargate, which has its fans and okay. has its own whole franchise. But then he did, uh, following Independence Day, he did the the Godzilla movie that starred Matthew Broderick. Nice. Do you remember? Wow. Of course that I remember. Bad. Yeah, that was awful. He did uh, The Patriot. <laughs> Patriot starring Mel Gibson. That's the Day a After good Tomorrow. Movie. Yeah, The Patriot. Patriot's a good movie. The Day After Tomorrow we discussed. He did 10,000 B.C., Back oh. in 2008. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. 2012, he did White House Down. He did the Independence Day sequel, Independence Day Resurgence. Which, which was trash. I've never seen. It was trash. And then his most recent movie before doing Moonfall was Midway in 2019. Yeah, I don't like that director. He can go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I don't like so actively that... want anything bad to happen to him. He can just go away. He can give someone else a job in Hollywood. So that is Moonfall. It exists. It's a thing. Jahan's giving it a thumbs up. I don't know if I would give it one, even though I'm the one that saw it. But Jahan's giving a thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Um, What else do we have? That was in theaters. Do you see anything else in theaters? I did. I saw another movie in theaters. Um, I went and saw Uncharted, the vi- oh. the movie based on the PlayStation video game starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. And it was totally fine. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's like 
the type of action movie that I think was really common fare back in maybe the nineties or early two thousands, you know, just kind of like a by the numbers action adventure movie. Um, it had some cool action scenes, but it's like kind of forgettable. Um, it did take some things from the video game spoilers. There's a, a, uh, cameo appearance by Nolan North in the movie who played Nathan or plays Nathan Drake in the video games Good for him. that I caught, uh, you know, that was fun, but, uh, you know, the movie, it was, it was totally fine. Like, I don't even have that much to comment on it other than like, it's very beige, like very generic looking, but there's some fun action. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that it actually has been making a decent amount of money at the box office. I mean, it's not making, you know, tons and tons of money, but it's staying pretty strong and making good money, proving that just, I guess Tom Holland is just a lot more of a box office draw than I realized. Like, obviously, Spider-Man's huge, but but people go to see movies for Tom Holland that aren't Spider-Man. I'm not even kidding. <clears throat> if Mark Wahlberg wasn't Sully, I think that's the character's name, uh, yes. I would... I would go see that movie if it weren't for Mark Wahlberg. I like Tom Holland. I didn't play the Uncharted games, so I'm not going to be like married no. to the story. I don't care. I just don't like Mark Wahlberg, and I particularly don't like him in that role. I've gotten very sick of Mark Wahlberg. He can go away. Yeah, he uh, can also go. You're right. He, he can go. He can go away. Uh, to quote my friend Gary, I'd watch Tom Holland blow butt. I'd watch Tom Holland blow butt. Yeah. <laughs> he he's good you know they did uh, i think there was some controversy when he was cast because like oh he's too young for nathan drake because you know all the gamers that that get all overprotective of their of their video game but he was fine what? you know he did good as a as a young nathan drake and i actually enjoyed him more than i thought i yeah. would i i've played all the uncharted games i like them a lot i have no problem with them kind of changing things up but Sully is a character in the games that i really like and mark Wahlberg is just not Sully. you know it's just i get why they did it you know he was supposed to play nathan drake for years when the uncharted movie was kind of in development hell and it took that so long to make this movie awful and so then they announced Tom Holland's casting and then Mark Wahlberg is solely okay. If I, you know, it's like a tribute to Mark Wahlberg aging, right. And being almost too old to be the lead these days. So put it, make him the mentor, but he's just being Mark Wahlberg, you know, like always. Uh, that would have been awful if they made those with Mark Wahlberg as, as Nathan Drake, it would have been unwatchable. And him as Sully is the sole reason I'm not going. So if that says anything, Mark Wahlberg can go. So that's Uncharted. I mean, maybe like a solid five or six out of ten. You know, it's it's totally fine. Like run of the mill average action movie. Excellent. Uh, yeah, what and else then, have you guys been watching? Those are the only things that I've seen in theaters recently i also somebody on our uh our actual little project list wrote me too next to my next one i watched on netflix a documentary called the tinder swindler did one Drew, of y'all watch this it's a documentary who do you think watched it i eat documentaries for breakfast i love documentaries it's my favorite way to consume knowledge oh. Uh, well, what did you think of this one, The Tinder Swindler? I liked The Tinder Swindler. I liked The Tinder Swindler a lot. 
Um, one of my biggest like problems watching real crime stuff is when it gets too close to home. Uh, and when there's a swindler like this, uh, there's no there's no violence in this story, right? This guy is just a scumbag who's uh, <laughs> the story is pretty funny, Jahan. You might like it too. So it's a it's a true story, uh, and it's a guy who he you know finds girls on apps and he borrows money from one girl to take another girl out, and borrows money from that girl to take another girl out, and he's just blowing cash on all of them, so they all think he's rich, and he's constantly just borrowing money from each of these girls. Uh, and not and just like a little bit of money, thousands of dollars for, mm-hmm. to make it seem like he's this rich billionaire flying them on private jets and like truly whining and dining them. He's got like a whole entourage of guys who are in on it, too, that are there. They're getting paid and they're getting free meals and free hotel rooms. And it's just, uh, you know, it's it, I, I enjoyed watching it. I don't I, I guess it's kind of messed up to say I enjoyed watching it. You know, it's these people are getting their lives ruined but yeah i, I this is a, a, a masterful con artist at work in the 21st century and you see how he's using tinder to swindle these people out of money and look like he's this high glamorous guy living this amazing life and uh, i've seen more and more stories like this and more and more documentaries like this coming out more people getting caught up uh, in this age of social media but you can go change your name and you can change your face and you can change your profile and these con artists are working social media it's it's a really fun watch uh, i really like the tender swindler uh, what did you think drew no i agree i liked it and i think the thing that it did really well was the way that it set up the story and it starts with one of the girls that has been swindled and she's kind of explaining how they met and their relationship and how it took off and explaining who the guy is and at first you're you're just seeing what she saw and so you're going i don't understand where's the twist gonna come in like what's gonna happen because this guy just seems like a rich billionaire who's you know, obviously, you know, he's going to do something bad. And then when it starts really breaking down what's happening here, it's it's like your jaw slowly starts to kind of drop as you learn what's happening. And this guy's kind of deconstructed and it's shown what he's doing. And I, it's also one of those movies that ends, you know, the ending of where it's at now and everything kind of surprised me, too. Um, not to spoil it for those who haven't seen it. I mean, it's a documentary, so you can always just like Google the guy. But right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought the way the documentary was put together was done really well from an intrigue standpoint. Yeah. So in my, I, in my mind, I remember the documentary being very narrative. Uh, They really gave a lot of details and they really walked you through the story one step at a time through these different girls perspectives. And Johanny does stuff like, uh, you know, he texts you, you have such a beautiful smile, go look outside, and there's like a truck full of roses there. And these girls are like legitimately being wined and dined from him. He's actually a pretty nice guy until he becomes this manipulative, money-grubbing monster. But uh, as long as everything's nice, he's the sweetest guy in the world when you're paying for his flashy lifestyle. Uh, So it's like Drew said, at first you're like, where's the problem? What's wrong with this guy? Why are you trying to make him seem like a scumbag? He seems nice enough. Because he's Uh, tricked them into thinking he's the son of a billionaire diamond chain owner. And so so he's he does like a, you know, he's a con artist. So he does a good job of setting himself up to be 
this billionaire diamond guy who, because he works in the diamond industry, has enemies, which is kind of the story that he uses to set up so that he can so that he can steal money is, you know, oh, his enemies are after him or he's got hits on him or, you know, whatever. And so he can't use his cards or he can't go out in public. So he needs to borrow money. And and these girls who have just fall, totally fallen for him, not even just because of his money, but because of how charming he comes across to them and how well he communicates with them, they do it. And, and w- the moment when they start to push back on him, you see how almost diabolical this guy can be. It's It's pretty insane. Crazy. Yeah, he he has all these fake stories that he uses on the different girls at different times in the relationships. Like when he needs certain things, he'll bust out the same fake story almost word for word against the different girls. Like, uh, yeah, it's tested, a, yeah, yep, it's a real great documentary about a real big scumbag. Uh, I think I, I liked it. I, that's fresh out the box certified for me. I actually really like the tender swindler. The. Uh, the house we're living in right now uh the homeowner has a boyfriend and i he lives in a different state and i'm like oh what if he's a tinder swindler he lives in a different state you have no idea what he might be up to and so it, it's uh it holds like a, a special place in my it's it's like new vocabulary right it, the tinder swindler is like a new it's a new thing uh I, I think it's worth noting that that's a new vocabulary as of 2022 because there's a guy so that's the tinder swindler and then the only netflix i watched i watched uh, i watched something on netflix i watched space force season two on netflix and i will say that space force season one was not good uh they threw a bunch of actors that were supposed to be funny i mean so they've got steve carell they've got uh Ben Schwartz, who's John Ralphio, right? Um, and they've got John Malkovich. Um, what's his name? David Chen. I think that's his name. The the Chinese actor, uh, comedian who's in. Um, yeah. Yeah, the one in Silicon Valley who's like the the quiet roommate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got this great cast. It's got an all star cast, but the writing in season one and the pacing and the jokes. It's just re- season one was a slog to get through. Uh, I just, I, I kept watching it because it was one of those times where there was nothing to watch. And I like John Malkovich enough to keep watching it. And then season season one ends terribly. It's really bad. It seems like they knew they were going to get canceled and they wrote it into a corner. And then season two starts and it almost undoes the entire second half of season one. Uh, they almost start over completely in season two. To the point where I promise you, you don't need to watch season one. They will tell you in the first episode of season two what happened. They'll fill you all in on how yeah. bad it was. Uh, season two is way better. I, I like season two of Space Force. I'll watch a season three of Space Force. Uh, ben Schwartz uh, has really become a big name since the first season. He used to be the guy who was John Raffio. Now he's uh, also the voice of Sonic. And he's in. he's a voice in a ton of stuff. Uh, you can't help but turn Jagged something Bush. on without, yeah, you can't help but watch anything these days without seeing Ben Schwartz's name or his face somewhere. He's a, he's a big comedian now. And since he's kind of found himself, he's a bigger role in the show. He's much more likable. David Chen, same thing. He sort of used to play this low charisma character. 
Uh, and now as a comedian, he's becoming more of a household name and his jokes are bigger and funnier and he has more lines than he ever did before. Um, John Malkovich, still great. Thank God that he signed up for the second season. I see Jahan's about to say something. What's his name, Jahan? Jimmy O. Yang. Jimmy O. Yang. Thank you. I'm getting him confused with someone else. So Jimmy O. Yang. Um, and then, of course, Steve Carell is, you love him or you hate him. I think people feel passionately about Steve Carell. Uh, he, to me, even though he's the lead, his the story kind of revolves around his character. This is a a show about the whole cast. Um, yeah. And I like everyone else, and Steve Carell's fine. He's not playing the same character from The Office. He's not just some idiot. Uh, instead, he's playing his version of an emotionally stunted uh, military general with a little comedic spin on it. His second-in-command general, Brad, is hilarious. The guy's a total idiot. He can't do anything. He's a four-star general, but he acts more like a secretary. <laughs> it's uh, it's good. Season two of Space Force, I recommend it, especially if you're somebody who managed to get through the first season. You will really appreciate the second season. Anybody else looking for garbage TV, uh, give Space Force a shot. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can I not get past episode one. Uh, I think I'm I told you guys boat. I took you I told you guys earlier. Uh, it seemed like an episode in a show that gets written after they run out of ideas, and it was episode one. It was just like they jumped the shark like four times in episode one, and, and I just then couldn't keep finish season one by writing themselves into a corner. It season one was oof. You're you're not wrong. Yeah, and then also uh, I could take or leave Steve Carell. I don't think he's really been funny since The Office. Like he's had some decent serious roles, but I don't it's, it's... know that I think he's that funny. I do like Steve Carell still, but I'm I'm totally in the same boat as you, Jahan. For my experience with this show, I remember when it came out. In it came out in May of 2020, the first season. Yeah. So right when the pandemic had first started, we're all still in quarantine. But I'm like, you know, consistently texting with my friends, and I remember this came out and thinking, oh, it's a new Greg Daniels show, which he's the one who who adapted The Office for the U.S. from the the British show and back with Steve Carell. So you're like, okay, like this seems like a recipe for success. And I remember back then that even Gary and our friend Ben and some other people we text with started watching it and they, nobody really had anything good to say about it, but they were all watching it. And I was like, ah, I'm still going to give it a shot. And I had the same experience as you, Jahan. I watched the yeah. first episode and it's only 30 minutes long and still I struggled. I think so. It felt like forever. I struggled to get through it. And so I kind of thought they just weren't going to, because it's been almost two years since the first season came out. So I kind of thought maybe they were just done with oh, it. I never and, thought we'd see a season two. Because the I first season, I feel like, was highly anticipated, two. and then it just kind of dropped like a wet fart, and like nobody really. How are you going to season two of this and not Cowboy Bebop? Thank you, right? Give me that Cowboy Bebop season two. Stop playing around such a bananas decision man that shit was awesome uh yeah anybody else on you know, anything on netflix or does anyone else have any crap to talk about space force i don't have anything else about space force but i will just say one more on the movies front because the rest of my stuff as far as what i watched were tv shows but just an additional movie i talked a couple weeks ago how i had watched uh in insomnia it was the only christopher nolan movie i hadn't watched and then of course there was a lot of anticipation with the new batman movie coming out so i was like oh 
I kind of I didn't want to revisit the old or the Nolan Batman movies, but there was a Nolan movie I did want to revisit, and it was The Prestige, um, which is the the Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale magician movie directed by Christopher Nolan. And I, I'm not, you know, this movie is over 15 years old. I think most people have have seen it probably at this point. But I will just say I still think this movie is a masterpiece. I think it's great and it holds up. And yeah, that's it. I mean, great movie. I've never seen it. Really? Yeah, I've never seen it. It's one of those, you know, Christopher. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, this shocks me. I assumed that I just assumed this is what everybody's seen. You know, this Christopher Nolan was the the prime example of a director who would do like the one for you, one for me uh, mindset as far as working with the studio. Like he did Batman, and then the studio's like, "We want more Batman." He's like, "Okay, yeah, I'm gonna get to that, but I'm gonna do this movie that I want to do first. And they're like, "Okay, okay, as as long as you do Batman after you do that movie." So you know, he did. Batman Begins, then The Prestige, then The Dark Knight, and then um, Inception, and then The Dark Knight Rises, and then Interstellar. You know, that's kind of how Christopher Nolan worked. Um, But The Prestige is probably still one of my all-time favorites of his. It's just a great movie about competition and greed and obsession and all, you know, played through these kind of warring magicians. And it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Since y'all haven't seen it, I won't spoil anything because you both should absolutely see this movie, especially if you like uh, other Christopher Nolan movies. I do. Doesn't this movie have something to do with magic? It it does. I also like magic. So I like Christopher Nolan and I like magic. So I could probably get behind this. And it's got uh, Michael Caine and oh. Scarlett Johansson oh. and David Bowie's in this movie. Andy Serkis oh. is in it. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Stacked cast for sure. Oh, and Rebecca old. Hall, who I love. She's in it. Yeah, good stuff. It's a good movie. That's The Prestige. Throw it to one of y'all for another TV show. Yeah, I've been watching shows. Um, do we want to talk about what well, this is funny? I've got one on Amazon, one on Hulu, and one on HBO. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the HBO. This is The Righteous Gemstones. I've been talking about it for a few weeks. The Righteous Gemstones finale finally dropped. And uh, I, I don't want to say too much because I really think that you guys should watch it. I know you don't care if I spoil it because it's The Righteous Gemstones. But I promise you, there are twists and there are things to spoil. So I'm not going to. You should really watch Righteous Gemstones. I mean um, to. Danny, Danny McBride has grown on me over the years. Righteous Gemstones is probably his best work. This has been on my list, too, especially after hearing some high praise from you and some other friends as of recently. I love John Goodman. I think everyone does. He's like uh, he's like America's dad's dad at this point, uh, like America's grandpa. He's getting older, but ever since Roseanne and ever since the Flintstones, he's been America's dad to me. Uh, and so seeing John Goodman in this is great, and he also has a character that has some depth. Um, and of course, Walton Goggins. Good lord, uh, Walton Goggins is uh, Baby Billy Freeman. And he is the uncle of the deceased mother. And the mother's been deceased through the whole series. And so he's just kind of this family member that's hanging around. 
and he is like a southern baptist like skeevy salesman with big pearly white teeth and big tinted glasses and stark white hair and he's just so over the top and so gangly and so funny uh in this in this season he reconnects with his son who he abandoned he abandoned in a mall uh so it does a flashback his son's in a mall and he's like go on Harmon, pick your favorite kitten and as soon as the kid goes to pick a kitten, he just runs away and leaves him in a mall alone on his birthday and <laughs> drives away and never comes back. Like, he's just such a piece of shit. So in this season, he goes back and reconnects with his kid, and it's adult Macaulay Culkin. And they have this, like, whole, like, maybe eight-minute conversation, and the only thing that's going to make him feel any better is just square-punching baby Billy right in the face. And so you just get to see Macaulay Culkin just <laughs> sucker punch the shit out of Walton Goggins. It's it's just you got to you got to got to watch Righteous Gemstones season two is fire. Uh, season they they keep characters from season one that you can tell were just like they were in the script, uh, but the actor they cast was so good that they wanted to keep that actor around. They wanted to keep that character around. And you, you can tell. You can absolutely see it. And they keep almost all the side characters in the end because everybody's performances are just so funny. Um, I, uh, I don't even have to say the name again. Righteous Gemstones, season two. You guys should check it out. The finale is Dunskies now. Now we got to wait for nice. season three. Um, uh, I also, I, I got one on HBO. Uh, yeah, man. But it's a rewatch. Uh, I just wanted to mention it. Uh, I can't say enough good things. It's probably one of the best superhero shows uh, out there. Young Justice, I've been rewatching it. And, man, because, like, we're playing a superhero game on one of our streams, and this, I kind of pull information from this show a lot. Uh, I really enjoy it. It, some of the emotional depth, they, they, they really go places uh, with the characters. They really get personal. They really get uh, emotional with things. Uh, crazy, like, they're not afraid to make big things happen. Like, death, you know? Like, a lot of times these shows don't want to kill anyone. Uh, you know? Uh, psychosis. Uh, just all kinds of stuff. I was actually talking to Zach about this show earlier, uh, about Young Justice. And I think that Young Justice has some great episodes with great moments and great character growth. And I think it also has some truly trash episodes and sometimes there will be five or six in a row where i felt like i just had to put my head down and slog through some of young justice season three isn't my favorite uh season two probably is my favorite season um, three is exactly what i was thinking about is about about maybe halfway through season three and into season four i felt like we're real had to put your head down season four has some really good episodes uh it also has some like stuff that's kind of tedious to get through uh, it gets to a really cool place, and I think they're on a mid-season like hiatus right now. I think they're coming back with the second half of four, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, Young, Young Justice. Check Young it out. Justice is so like up and down on my scale of how much I like it versus how much I'm disinterested. Um, I really, I'll always tune back into Young Justice. I think to see what they're up to now. Um. I, I think this show has Young Justice has a really strong possibility of being one of the greats for cartoons. It's only in season four right now. And so the more people watch it, the more people get interested, the better this show is likely to get, the more budget they'll get and the longer it'll go on. So hopefully 
Young Justice gets better. And I believe that it certainly can. Yeah. Um, over on the Hulu front, uh, I was watching something that Drew might or might not have even recommended. I think he just told us about it. I'm not sure if he ever said we should watch it. I was hesitant to truly recommend it at the time. Like I was watching it, and I was interested in it, but I, I couldn't. And I've still been watching it. The series is still ongoing, but I, I don't. I still don't know yet if I can recommend it. But I've liked the past couple episodes more than I liked the first few. And of course, the it we're talking about is Pam and Tommy on Hulu. Uh, the story about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's sex tape getting leaked. Uh, definitely some weird stuff. I didn't need to watch him talk to his penis, uh, and I definitely <laughs> didn't need to watch him talk to his penis twice. Uh, it's and, one of those things, too, that just, if it was a recurring thing in every, this is so weird to talk about. I know what you're going to say, yeah. Famous, but, like, if it happened in every episode or was, like, a recurring thing, I guess it'd be one thing. But it just, like, it's so random <laughs> when yeah, it happens it just... and you're like, what, what am I watching? And it doesn't fit with the rest of the tone of the show. It's so weird. It's so odd. And it is just a penis, and it just opens its little penis tip and talks to him. And you're just watching an erect dick with the tip moving. It's with Jason Mansukis voiceover. It's just not really. Yeah, I see. Yeah, it's that's not a part I would have done. It's, right. It's definitely funnier Ooh, hearing funny. Gary critique it than it is when you watch it in the show. Because when when it happens in the show, it's not funny. It's not there's, funny. There's funny. very little that's funny about erect penis. They're they're yeah. they don't look great. And if you tell no. me there's a show where Jason Manzukis voices Tommy Lee's penis, like that sounds funny in theory. Like that should. That I watch does, a, a series called A Man funny. and His Dick. That sounds funny on paper. Kind of like uh, that Elijah Woods uh, Wilfred series. Maybe like instead of a, a dog, it's his penis. So don't let me get too far from uh, from the from the show. I like Pam and Tommy. I do. I love uh, the. I don't even know the actor or actresses' names that play Pam and Tommy, but I. They were born to play these roles. The... So it's uh, it's Sebastian Stan plays Tommy Lee, known no he's way. the Winter Soldier no from way. the Marvel he's movies. He's so good. He's so and, good. And then it's Lily James plays Pamela Anderson, which she is um, the female lead in. Like Baby Driver, she was in the Disney live action adaptation of Cinderella. She played Cinderella. So she's, I, been, she's been around. I, I, I like guess, her a lot. I guess I had some preconceptions on what I thought Pamela Anderson was like. Um, and watching Pam and Tommy, she's so much more like Dolly Parton than I thought she was. She just seems so sweet and so nice and so genuine and so easy to take advantage of. Uh, she just seems like such a such an innocent, sweet person. And, the show definitely sets her up as the sympathetic and character. And Tommy Lee is just uh, such an absolute piece of shit, except to her. To her, he's mostly pretty good when he's not doping her up because he's a piece of shit. Uh, and then Seth Rogen's character is... Uh, what a, It's a compelling storyline. Uh, I love Seth Rogen. I'm a mark for Seth Rogen. Uh, back in high school, people used to tell me I looked like Seth Rogen. So <laughs> I eventually wound up just watching his entire filmography uh, from Freaks and Geeks forward and convinced myself that I liked Seth Rogen now. So maybe that's why I like Pam and Tommy. Um, but I mean, I just catch Have you watched Gary? 
Uh man, like five or six episodes. Okay, so you're about you're about where it is. So okay, yeah, just making I've, sure. I've watched a lot. I'm, we're gonna watch them all. I really like it, and I didn't think that I was gonna like a show about a sex tape. Uh, and the show, uh, honorable mention, I forgot that uh, Ron Swanson plays the producer. And so him and Seth Rogen sharing screen time is really good. Oh, yeah. Nick Offerman is just the sleaziest porn director, producer. Just yeah, he's great. With long hair and just ultra sleaze. <laughs> yeah, that, that show is definitely worth watching, but don't put it on while the kids are in the room. There's lots of nudity, lots of language, lots of drugs. Um, it's a fun watch, though. It, it's it's actually a lot of fun. And watching Pam and Tommy's relationship is... Uh, there's something heartwarming about it, man. It makes you smile, those two together. Their chemistry is just great. Yeah, and, and this was the thing I had said about the show before that I'll reemphasize since I've watched some more, is that... I felt like the first couple of episodes were, you know, were really pushing to be an hour long. And I'm like, ugh, like this is, I like where this is going and I like the story, but it's overly long. Like it's maybe too much, but this show, for whatever reason, like the fourth and fifth episodes or fifth and sixth episodes are like 30 minutes. So it's one of those where there's some episodes that are an hour, some that are 40 and some that are like barely over 30 minutes. And I like that. Like, okay, good. Don't push for more minutes than you need to to tell your story and so some of those episodes that are shorter just fly by and tell you more of the story and do well and that's one of the things that i feel like it picks up in the later episodes because of that it can be a little bit more snappy it's not trying to drag out the story i yeah i completely agree um i've got one more streaming show to talk about and this one this one took me by storm gentlemen this one i wasn't ready for this one's on amazon prime I I'm talking about really the boys. The boys presents diabolical, and so I thought this was just going to be a cartoon show about the boys' universe. It is an anthology yeah. with different art, different writers, different directors. Every single episode, it is so fun to watch. Each episode is pretty short; they're all independent. Let me read you some of the writing of the people who wrote these episodes, because this blew my mind while I was watching it. I didn't know anything about this series. First episode, written by Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen. And of course, they were tied into the Preacher stuff also. Gotta love those guys. The first episode has no words at all. The whole thing is Looney Tunes with violence. It's almost like a happy tree friends type of thing. Seth Rogen was also involved in uh, the boys' TV show. That's correct. Um... Other writers that, that blew my mind here, there's an episode written by Aquafina. There's an episode, of course, Garth Ennis wrote The Boys. There's an episode written just by Garth Ennis. It's great. Um, Justin Roiland, so you get some Rick and Morty-esque oh type of humor. Yeah, that's the second episode. It's uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny. I think it's the one where all the, all the kids who have gotten superpowers that are terrible superpowers go and take revenge on their parents. That's and funny. So it's, it's really a Rick and Morty type of vibe with, That's uh, you funny. know. Yeah, you'll you'll like that one, I think. Um, episode that blew my mind. Writer blew my mind. Andy Samberg. Andy Samberg comes in and slaps down an episode, and it is not a comedy episode. It is like this very, very old married couple. The wife is dying on her bed from, like, liver cancer, and the husband goes and gets her the compound V that can make you into a superhero. 
And it's this passionate, you know, story of these two old people in love and him trying to do whatever he can to save her and her having to use that newfound power to save him. Uh, just a great emotional story, beautiful art. It was one of my favorite ones of the whole bunch. And then it popped up and said, written by Andy Samberg. And I was like, what the fuck? No way. Um, Aisha Tyler wrote an episode. It's starring Aisha Tyler and uh, Don Cheadle. Um, and the bad guy in that episode is John DiMaggio. So this is just like an all-star cast of, of names. Going down the, the cast list, you have Ben Schwartz, Kieran Culkin, Kumail Nanjiani, Simon Pegg, Giancarlo Esposito, Michael Sarah. Like, what is happening? This is, The Boys Diabolical is so good. You've got to watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. The greatest thing about it is that you're not signing up for some series that you have to be invested in. It's anthology. So you can watch one and be done with it. Watch one and be yeah. done with it. You're not going to get stuck to the couch having to watch them all. But I did. I watched them in, in all in one sitting. So I love it. I really I can't recommend this. the boys yeah. diabolical enough. I guarantee I'll watch this. So, uh, so it's funny because y'all have been talking about show, some shows on HBO Max and Netflix and Prime. And so it's only fitting that the two that I have left to mention are an Apple TV Plus and Disney Plus. Uh. <laughs> so covering all of our bases today, um, I've only watched the first episode of a new Apple TV plus series called severance. Um, have y'all heard of this show by any no. chance? No. So this is a new it's about Lorena Boppet. No. So severance. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's a good, that's, that's a good joke, John. Hey, good job. Man. Thanks man. I appreciate that one. <laughs> so severance, uh, the first episode, at least, I don't know if all the episodes are, but I know the first episode is directed by Ben Stiller. Okay. Um, so, yeah, first episode directed by Ben Stiller, but it stars Adam Scott yeah. is in this. Um, I like Adam Scott. Patricia Arquette is in it and you know a few other people. But basically, the premise of the show is very intriguing. The first episode's a little bit slow, but I'm really interested to see where it goes because the premise itself is so interesting. Basically, Adam Scott works for a company um, where in the department that he works in, you go through a procedure called severance. The idea is that when you enter work, you lose all knowledge of your personal life and everything outside of work. So when you're at work, it's just your work personality that knows nothing other than your work. And then when you go home for the day, you forget everything that happened at work. So you just have your at home personality. That's so like crazy. it's like the version the version of yourself that's at work is just at work all the time. Because when you clock out, the next thing you remember is you're clocking back in. Almost like you're in a prison of just being at work. Sounds Whereas the awful version of him that's at home is just always at home until he goes back to work um so it's very interesting premise um and there's some little interesting character things that are set up within the first episode um so i'm interested to see where it goes but like i said i've only watched the first episode which really just sets up kind of the plot and what's going on at this strange company um, but adam scott's very good in the first episode I love Adam Scott, and it's a shame that we forgot to talk about him as Batman in our Batman episode. 
<laughs> think you're thinking of Adam West? No, no, I'm thinking of Adam Scott. No, Adam Scott in, was uh, absolutely uh, should have been on our list of Batman's. In Parks and Rec, he has treat yourself. Yes, it's treat yourself day, and he goes to the mall and buys a full size Batman costume, and then he starts crying. <laughs> <laughs> he wears it around all day. He starts crying like big, ugly, sobbing. <laughs> I've watched Parks and Rec, but I have no recollection of this. It's like yeah. it's so good. It's it's very good. I I love Adam Scott, man. I even That's watched it. that that terrible uh, catering show that he was on just because I like Adam Scott so much. It's about the cones. Well, if you like Adam Scott, I would definitely recommend you watch this because he's taking on a little bit more serious dramatic. At least there's some definitely some satire and things in this show, um, but it's intriguing. I, I don't have that much to say because, again, I've only watched the first episode, which is really just setting up the premise. But I'm intrigued enough to continue. I think there's four episodes that are out now. That, you know, they're dropping an episode a week on Apple TV+. Plus. So that's why I like Adam Scott is he's not like a punchline, hilarious, make your sides hurt kind of guy. He is he's the straight man and he's always kind of the straight man in the show. And he just plays into these awkward situations so well. And and he just seems like a real believable guy. Uh, there's, there's nothing about him that is spectacular or strange or wacky. Uh, it's just, he's real relatable. And and I think that's why I, I like him. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch this. I think, I think Severance might be, it sounds horrible, right? I, th- I think there was, was a work-only version of me. It wouldn't be long until that work version of me was no longer alive. That seems <laughs> terrible. Uh, but I'll watch Adam Scott play around in that world. Yeah. So it's and the show is getting into like the morals and ethics of it. Like that's a plot point of it. So it's definitely digging into that. So I'll be interested to see where it goes. So that's I like a good Everett's... modern sci-fi. Also, mm-hmm. it's always good other... to see new sci-fi takes yeah, that aren't it's just kind of Black Mirror-y almost mm-hmm. it's very black mirror yeah if you like black mirror i would definitely recommend this show because it, love it fits black into mirror. that world for sure and again i think it's just interesting that ben stiller's been doing a lot more stuff behind the camera and the fact that he directs this first episode i don't know i just that's i find that kind of stuff intriguing too but then the uh, the other show I've been watching, so I'd mentioned before that I watched the Clone Wars animated movie that had come out in theaters. And yes. since then, I had started watching a few episodes of the show. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it's the type of thing that I can throw on in the background and watch a couple and, and it's fine. Uh, but whew, I know that there have been a lot of people that, that praise the show and how good it eventually gets. But the first season, the first few episodes I've watched so far absolutely come across like a a group of a few writers in a room are like, so what can we do for this Clone Wars show? And somebody's like, "Uh, have an episode where Plo Koon is stranded in a ship and Anakin has to save him. They're like, great, that's an episode. What's the next one? And then, you know, it's like, oh, Yoda has to go to this planet and convince them to side with them in the war. Great, that's an episode what's next like that's how it is it's that you could pretty much describe some of what happens in these episodes in a sentence but it's a 22 minute episode you know devoted to that so yeah it's it's fine to just throw on in the background but i'm just waiting for when it starts to get interesting i'll put it that way but i did you know i said i was gonna devote myself to maybe trying to to go along this venture as long as it takes and yeah i'm sticking to it so there's the, there's Clone Wars. 
you're a better man than I am. I couldn't stick to it. I thought I was going to yeah. do it, and I, I didn't do it. I want to, but it, it is a slug uh, in the beginning for sure. Is it, it's, is it a slug or a slog? Both. Slug. <laughs> it's a slug. Like Jabba the Hutt. Uh, he, yeah, he might be a slug. <laughs> um, the only other thing I have is video game related. Yeah, and I think Vaughn's got a lot of games oh, to talk. Yeah, wow, video games are for nerds. You guys suck. Yeah, Vaughn, I'll let you go first because I've been talking a lot. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, first off, I finally got to play me some Arceus. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, you got to do a lot of interesting stuff. It just plays. It's like they are just taking all their data from all their other games, Pokemon Go, Let's Go Pikachu, and they're applying it to this. We enjoy throwing Pokeballs at Pokemon and catching them. You gotta catch them all. It's fun. And you gotta do that, like, you can throw, like, six rapid fire, catch a bunch of Pokemon. Uh, you gotta fill out your Pokedex by actually, like, conducting research, uh, which does involve doing specific tasks and watching Pokemon do specific tasks. I love the alphas. I had my first boss battle, um, against Cleavor, and that was crazy. Uh, I was not expecting that. It was like a, it was like a Dark Souls boss. <laughs> it was kind, it was pretty fun. Um, but I like it. I do like it? What about you? I agree. Do you I like, like it. it too? Yeah, I've talked about it, uh, you know, a bit on some past episodes, so I won't go into it too much. But I'm no. excited that you've started playing it and that you like it. I think the the thing that's really worth noting, because you have um, the Pokemon Direct here on your list, and I was, yes. I hope you don't mind me kind of jumping into that. No. But we finally got a trailer for the newest, um, the newest real, you know, rig mainline entries in Pokemon, which are, uh, what is it, Scarlet and Violet? And Violet? Yeah. And we didn't see enough to really confirm this, but just from what they showed in the trailer, it really looks like they might be going with some of the Arceus I, I thought controls that was or mechanics that are going to be in the game. I thought that they were using the Arceus system. I'm pretty sure they're definitely... I saw Pokemon walking around, uh, and so it could be Arceus, it could be Let's Go, uh, but I feel like they're going to go with Arceus, because Arceus, they have something there, they know it. Uh, I think you're right. You said it was like a proving ground for future games. Scarlet looks great. Uh, what do you think? So I, I've been wanting to talk about this. Uh, what, what what do you guys think about the starters? Oh boy, I have to I'd have to pull them up again. But there was one I like the little alligator fire alligator. Way Coco is the fire alligator, uh, and then Quaxley is the duck, and I forget the cat's name is like S Spriggan or something. And the duck definitely has Donald Trump hair. That's what <laughs> he I, does. That was my takeaway. He does indeed. Gary, if you had to pick what? one of the new starters, which one would you pick? I don't know. You don't know? About, no. Have I'm you seen get, them? No, I haven't seen them. I haven't seen the game. I haven't seen the trailer. I'm not going to buy Arceus. But I probably will buy Violet. And uh, I don't know what starter I would pick. Probably... A shitty duck with Donald Trump hair. That yeah, so yeah the, wa the water the water starter is a Donald Trump hair wearing duck. <laughs> I mean, that sounds really good. Uh, the fire starter is a alligator that looks like a mix between a chili pepper and like a skull. Uh, and then kind of has some dinosaur en energy. In he him does too. have he some dinosaur a little T Rex. 
And then uh, the plant starter is a grass cat. Uh, not as exciting. Uh, it's probably made out of coriander. Uh, I don't know. It it looks like. Do y'all? Do you usually have an like? Obviously, all the Pokemon starters in every game are always a grass, fire, and water type. Yeah. Do you have a element that you typically usually go water? And grass. I usually go fire. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, I'm grass. Yeah, that's that's usually all. Go water. Just go. Yeah, I'm a I'm a mark for Bulbasaur, man. I'm a Bulbasaur Venusaur guy from way back. Yeah. I almost never go fire, but Fue Coco, man. Fue Coco be calling my name a little bit. I might pick that one. Uh, I don't know if I want Quaxley, man. I don't know. And the cat kind of looks meh, and a lot of people are scared that they're going to get the Encino Roar treatment, and it's going to be a douchey-looking Digimon fucking Final Evolution. But uh, we'll see. I'm I'm very excited. Is that how you pronounce it? Which one? Yeah, maybe. The cat? Maybe. Yeah, he's the, the names for these are interesting. Qu- Quaxley is pretty fitting for a Pokemon. <laughs> Quaxley is funny. Uh Coco's different. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't expecting this. It's coming out this year, which blew me away. Blew uh, my mind also. I was yeah, I was not ready for that. Man, they're I don't know, they're they're hitching their wagon to the hype, man. The hype is rolling and they're using that momentum to drop some some hot juice on us. Uh there was a lot of cool stuff on that Pokemon Direct. Um they pretty much, because right now they have uh, Pokemon Unite, they have Pokemon Go, they have Pokemon Cafe, they have Pokemon Masters, uh, and like a few other ones that I can't remember. Uh, every single one of those got some sort of update all at once, just boom, right across the right across the uh, the whole field, and all of them were pretty cool. If you like, Jenny plays Pokemon Cafe. That's a cool update for her. Uh, you can, like, go to other people's cat. I don't know. It was interesting. Uh, Pokemon Go, uh, they are introducing Alohan, uh, the Aloha region uh, for Pokemon Go right now. And I've been doing that. that that's been fun. Uh, and this is coming fresh. I have also been playing. Yeah, this is coming fresh off of the uh, the silver and gold uh, Poke Pass for $12. Uh, did you do that? I did not, um, but it seems like everybody I know who did had a really great experience with it. Really great experience. So I don't know if it's just Katie, because uh, like I've said it before, Katie's really big for Pokemon Go. Uh, we have a world champion and everything. Uh, I I went to a re- I don't want to say specifically where because I don't want people to like find me there or something. But I went to uh, uh, one of the places that Pokemon Go players go during these events. Uh, nearby, and man, it was packed, dude. There was like eighty fucking cars, like just going here, going there. Everyone in that area, everyone's you know like, okay, you drive, you park, and then you do your thing. You know what I mean? People aren't going like this. It's not an issue. Everyone's very respectful. Uh, but man, I was going back and forth. We were doing like raid after raid after raid. Uh, you actually invited me to one of those raids. I was able to to participate yeah. in one of the raids with you. You got to play one of the raids with me, which was super cool. Um, yeah, man, you're catching uh, all the legendary dogs from the Silver and Gold series. You're catching uh, Ho-Oh and Lugia left and right, like doing these big raids with like 20 people nonstop. It was really cool. Um, and then like the Pokemon roster rotated every hour. So there was like these sets of Pokemon that you needed and they rotated every hour. And if you missed them the first time, they came around again. So it did a list of Pokemon each hour, different list. And then 
the list started again in the second half of the night. Uh, and if you completed everything, you unlocked a bunch of cool, um, like, dress-up stuff for your character, and you got a quest chain that'll eventually lead you to get special uh, Apex Shadow Lugia and Apex Shadow ho And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. The, the next time they do one of these events, I, I just had a busy day that day, and yeah. so I couldn't commit to paying the money to do it and then only getting to play for a little bit. Yeah. That being said, the next time they do one, if it's on a day where I'm not busy, we'll have to meet up and oh, definitely. participate together because that would be fun. Uh, yeah, last time they did this, it was for like a Reggie Gigas thing. That one, we started late in the day and we still finished. This one took me like six and a half hours of intense playing. And it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then at one point, Jerry had to leave. Got so big. Yeah. I, it was a blast, man. I went and got McDonald's. I wound up like getting too much. I wound up giving some people that had talked to me earlier, a couple burgers. Like, Hey, I don't want them. Here you go. You know, like people were like, Hey, you know, everyone's real friendly in this community. Everyone's really cool together. There's like a discord server, all that good stuff. Uh, I don't know. It was cool to be a part of a community again. Cause I haven't felt that much uh it's hard to feel that way uh during covid and you know this post-covid world is kind of it was nice it's hard to feel that way around strangers it is it is uh but no pokemon go super cool uh one of the 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 greatest steps toward world peace in a long time uh it's been joked before uh but yeah and then that's pretty much it for pokemon for me uh I have one more game to talk about. And I know you oh, You too. go for it. You can talk about Elden Ring, and then I'll talk about Horizon okay. Forbidden West to uh, to round it all out. I don't know. Uh, Drew, did you go through with getting this one, or did you put it on the back burner? Nope. I, I definitely put it on the back burner. I'm, I'm too, too uh, I guess, intimidated by the Souls games. To so I, I, I love a challenge. I love punishment. Uh, I like punishing games. Uh, especially when tactics and like turn-based stuff is concerned, I really enjoy uh, like a strong challenge. XCOM is for sadists. Uh, oh no, XCOM's for masochists. Sorry, but um, this game. So I loved Dark Souls One. Uh, I played a little bit of Dark Souls Three. Dark Souls One was great. This game was built to me as a game for people that maybe want to get into Souls, but it wasn't, like, their favorite. This is exactly a Souls game. If you've ever played a Souls game, this is Dark Souls 1 cleaned up and in an open world. But, that being said, this game's fantastic. Uh, I didn't believe the hype. Uh, I got this game mostly because, like, of all the hype and also because my younger brother is super into Souls games and I wanted to, like, do something with him. Uh, we already killed the boss together. It was a lot of fun. Um... This game is it. I it believe the hype. It is fantastic. The world is beautiful. Uh, you can traverse it pretty easily on your on your mount. Uh, they make it kind of easy to explore, but like it can be punishing. Uh, I recently fought a dragon. I killed my first dragon. That fight was bananas. Uh, but then I'm stuck on this other fight. Uh, I'm in Castle uh, like Morn. And I found this boss, like, out back. Like, you go across some water, and you find this tower. There's this guy. He looks kind of like a human mixed with a manticore. He's not too big, and he has a greatsword. That fight's 
crazy, man. And uh, these bosses, some of the best video game bosses ever. Like, just, they're good bosses. They have awesome routines. It seems like when you learn their routine, they'll throw a new move in on you like they know. It's weird. Uh, but the classes are cool. I'm an astrologer. Uh, that's the, the magic, one of the magic classes. Um, and I get a magic at people, and it's fun. Uh, Kian's like uh, one of the melee classes, and watching him go beef on people is pretty cool. Um, it's just, this game really is... Believe the hype, man. This game is solid. I understand if you don't like Souls games, don't get this game. Uh, I don't. I do not think that it'll change. This is exactly Souls. The only difference, really, is that in previous installments of Souls, you get stuck. You know what I mean? Like you can't get past this boss. You can't do. You know what I mean? You can't go further. But in this game, it's open world. You can just go fight a different boss. You can go kill other people. You can go explore the world. Uh, you don't really... It, it doesn't have that specific hang-up, and I think it really makes the game better. I may, because I'm so scared of not liking it, if it gets a significant price drop in the future, even in like a year or two, I maybe would pick it up just out of interest of the uh, story and what's going on with it. I've just never put in enough time in a Souls game to no. really get good at it and to, to experience that. Um, I play a lot of video games, so I feel like I should be able to get good at it, but I've just never put in the time. Because in yeah. the past, I get to a boss, I lose once, I lose the second time, and I'm like, this, I'm not having fun. I died to and a I'm... boss 15 times before we started streaming. Uh, and I had fun with every minute, because he kept changing. It wasn't like the same thing. I didn't die at the same part. The fights change. Uh, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, I don't know, it's just like that old school video game, like, you gotta learn what the boss does, and then, like, try and try, and, like, it's it's got that good kind of punishing. I've played, <clears throat> I've played, like, one Dark Souls game. It's also not for me. Uh, actually, a friend of ours texted us today, Drew and I were in a group chat, and our friend said, I've seen all the hype about Elden Ring, uh, everybody loves it, should I buy it? And both Drew and I were like, uh we don't like souls games i'm sorry like maybe it's baller but we're not gonna spend 60 dollars on it right now yeah i have no doubt that it is a fantastic game for people who like those games but as someone who's not one it's just not for me so i would never I, hate on it but it's just not it's not for me and in particular it was lee who was asking and lee likes first person shooters and competitive games i don't think that he would like elden ring no. I don't think you'd have the patience for it either. No, it is it. It's not for stubborn people. If you can't, if you lose to a boss over and over again, and you just keep going, like I, I might keep going on this boss because I'm still having fun. But sometimes you got to go try a different boss or go grind out some experience to get a little stronger. Uh, it's just the way it is. Um, if that's not for you, it's not for you. Like I will not sit here and tell you this game's perfect for everyone just feel like Elden Ring has maybe crossed a little bit more of the cultural barrier. Like it's had a little bit more hype around it than some of the past Souls games have had. Certainly. So people who haven't played Souls games or aren't familiar with them as much maybe have heard of Elden Ring. Because I actually had another friend reach out to me about it. Um, one who's in Oklahoma and he was interested in getting it. And, I, and he is a much more casual gamer. Mm. And I was like, trust me, it's not going to be your thing. Because mm. this is a guy who like plays 
Fortnite and Rocket League yeah. and Madden, and that's about it. But he likes Skyrim. And, you know, the videos and things, like, gave him Skyrim vibes. And I was I was trying to tell him, you know, trust me, this is not Skyrim. <laughs> it's I not. I think that's what he had to get over. It's not, but, man, it can stand shoulder to shoulder. The world's beautiful. It's big. The bosses are crazy. The secret dungeons are awesome. Um, there's bum all for a tutorial. Uh, like <laughs> it really throws you in, and it does not I teach am you much. So sick of tutorials. I'm, so sick I'm of not tutorials. even kidding. I'm, you could never put another tutorial in another video game in my entire life, and I would be happy. They don't explain the stats very well. Like, man, you have you're gonna have to look at guides. Uh, but it's fun. What are you saying, Gary? I was gonna say we will figure out the controls. It yeah. doesn't matter. You don't need to walk us through it. Like literally in I am bread, you control bread by pushing the four different corners of your controller. Yeah. Like you don't need to walk me through that. I figured it out because I am bread. Like you'll the controls, learning the controls are almost a fun part of the game. Yeah. Uh and, and learning what you can do with all the, the different weapons and stuff you have, I think that makes for a really cool experience in learning the game. I think tutorials uh, should all be optional. I I just have been stuck in so many yeah. hour long tutorials or 30, 40 minute long tutorials where I'm like, please just let me play the game. I know how to crouch under a log. It's the same <laughs> button I used to crouch under a log in every game for the past 15 years. I know how to jump. It's the A button. And if it isn't the A button, then your controls are wrong. Like I, I know how to play a video game. Yeah. The, the, a lot of these tutorials just push me over the Yeah, edge. This one does not have a tutorial. It drops you in, uh, and it is an unforgiving steep learning curve. But Good. once you get over it, it's fun. It's very fun. I love, I love Elden Ring. I, I want to play it right now. I want to play it all the time. I'm kind of obsessed. So speaking of games that we love, um, I, you know, had taken a break from Pokemon Arceus and have been playing a whole lot of Horizon Forbidden West. Um, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn that came out in 2017. This is a PlayStation exclusive um, that's for on PS4 and PS5. I've been playing it on my PS5. Um, and uh, man, it... I'll say this for anybody that hasn't played the first horizon game, this one just picks up straight from the story of that. So like you actually do need to play the first game almost to understand a lot of the story going on in the second. Um, but that being said, Holy cow, man, this game looks incredible. I already talked it does look on our last one of our last episodes about just the production quality of some of these PlayStation exclusives and how good it looks. Um, but it's great. It's a huge open world. And um, but not too big, you know, you can get anywhere you need to go pretty easily. And there's mounts and things like that, you know, to get around. And ah, man, I've just been having so much fun with it. I've put in probably close to 40 hours at this point, And my percentage completion on the, you know, like on your stats page is not even at 50 percent yet uh, with all the stuff that I've been doing. Hmm. So uh, it's just it's I mean, there's so many different kinds of robotic creatures that you fight you know most of them based off off of dinosaurs um you know some f, f on other creatures as well but there's each battle is it kind of you have to approach it with a unique strategy and you're constantly leveling up your gear and items to get better and so it's the type of game that when you get powerful you feel super powerful and that makes it really fun um but i will say this 
after some long gaming sessions with it, I've had to kind of take a break. And this is probably going to make me sound like a really old man, but mm. this is the truth. The PlayStation 5 controller, I don't know if y'all have ever used one. No. Um, it has these adaptive triggers on it, yeah. which are amazing. It's It makes it so much fun. I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, it, it creates a resistance on the trigger. Mm. Uh, they, it's hard to even describe. You just have to experience it. But whenever you're using your bow and drawing, you know, left trigger aims and R2 is to shoot, shoot an arrow and you hold it down to draw that string back. And there's resistance to the trigger as you're pulling it to pull the string back. And after some long gaming sessions and getting into some really intense battles where I think my hands are very strained and tense and using strength and resistance on those triggers that I've actually had sore like forearms and wrists like <laughs> syndrome type symptoms yeah. after playing this game that I've never really experienced before and I did some research on it online they were like just take a break like that's what you need to do and so it's it's the first time I've ever experienced it from playing a game and I think it's from these triggers I, the PlayStation it's insane because of the way I used to sit at my computer and me and Gary played so much League of Legends I lost sensation in these two fingers all the way down my arm for a very long time and it didn't come back until like a week after I stopped playing for like an extended period of time uh, I, used I know to what you mean man huge muscle knots right here in between my thumb like in my thumb meets i would just get massive like knots just hard muscle from holding the mouse from that position and same thing as jahan you know we used to play so many hours how long can you hold a mouse that is not a comfortable we, we played position. league of legends like six hours a day for a while man. we played league of legends more than we slept for a while yeah but yeah, so Horizon Forbidden West, amazing. I'm looking forward to playing more and putting a lot more hours into it. But I just had to take a break for a couple days before I get I really want to get on this. Adapt I've heard about the adapt adaptive triggers, uh, and they sound super cool. Uh, I'm all about it. I want, I want that. I want that real bad. It's truly a game changer. It's like, I'm, you know, obviously an Xbox guy and spend a majority of time on my Xbox, and I have the... Uh, the elite controller that I use mostly and love that controller, but man, the PlayStation five controller is something special yeah. um, with some of the, the technology in it. It's really cool. I would imagine in the future, a lot of the things they've done there will become commonplace in controllers across systems just because of how immersive it can make it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. Super dope. Uh, man, we had a lot of TV and, and games to talk about. That was, that was fun. Uh, yeah. That's it for me. You guys done with your talks for this week? Um, I don't know. Are we? It looks like. Hmm. Uh, nothing more for me. Uh, I just wanted to tell you guys about how much Monster Train I've been playing since I didn't have any video games to talk about. I already uh, know how much Monster Train you've been playing because I, I check. <laughs> I, I, went, I went to go look right now. Uh, it is 20... Thousand four hundred and ninety-four minutes, uh, which translates to almost fourteen days of Monster Train. Is I have really, one. Yeah. I have one card left to get. Uh, I have gotten gold on every single card with every single team and every single uh, like 
neutral card that you could possibly randomly draw from the deck except for one. And I've now drawn it like three times in this past week, and I've lost with it every time. And I next time we record this podcast, I hope to report back and tell you guys that I have 100%ed the Monster Train collection of cards. It would be an impressive feat. That's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah, no, I I check uh, over on Xbox every now and again and see what people are doing. You're always on Monster Train. I am always on Monster Train. Always, always, always. Always. It's hilarious. Ever since we talked about our favorite games of last year, yeah. we, we did that wrap-up show, I reinstalled Monster Train because I was like, why am I not playing Monster Train? And I've played it literally almost every single day since then. Yeah. Um, it's how I start, or it's how I end my night usually, and it's sometimes how I start my day just to get my brain going with different card combos and stuff like that. Uh, it, it gets my brain flowing. That and then be- was over two then, months ago. <laughs> Before bed, it's a good way to, to go to sleep. So, yeah, lots of monster train. For yeah, me. no, that's why I stopped playing XCOM because it was ruining <laughs> my life. Uh, yeah, well, hey, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, I am Jahananon at RockFact on Twitter, at Jahananon1 on TikTok. I'm CasualtyCDG, and you can find me at CasualtyCDG on all of the social medias. Uh, if you like tabletop role-playing games, a la Dungeons & Dragons, uh, Jahan and I play tabletop role-playing games that are not Dungeons & Dragons three days a week. Every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can stop by to watch us play pretend as superheroes, play pretend on treetops sailing around where I'm a sentient colony of spiders in a vaguely humanoid form, or on Fridays, you can catch us playing indie games or Modern Age by Green Ronin, uh, this week we're going to be debuting, uh, I guess actually by the time this week is next week, uh, follow us at Fresh Out the Box. How about that? You can catch up on all of the things we're doing, all of the people we interview. Uh, you're going to love it. We are games and you do too. I'm Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Thank you for listening to episode 36. Fresh Out the Podcast. Catch you next time. Stay fresh. <laughs>